So <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And um, so I went home and told her, babe, I got sat down. I think it's over. It's a, it's a, it's a wrap. Um, I don't think we're coming back from this one. It took me a couple of months to finally get um, my, my non-judicial punishment, my NJP. First time I had ever been in trouble in my career was, was as a drill instructor. And literally my first sergeant and my um, company commander told me, hey, listen, we recommended that you get relieved for calls because we don't want to see you get yourself in more trouble. And we believe you are great. And um, there's other ways that this greatness could be used other than potentially keeping you in this environment where you are so passionate um, and, and what we do down here can't keep up with what's coming out of you. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Stippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown, and we have another awesome show for you here today. Ira Davis is a former Marine Corps drill instructor who believed he'd found his purpose, and he could not imagine himself doing anything else. So when his beloved Marine Corps told him he was no longer going to be a drill instructor because he was too hard on recruits, he was absolutely devastated. To make it even harder, the Marine Corps had a special request from him that seemed almost cruel, but I returned that request into a tool to help him discover his own true path. Today, Ira is the chief dream diver at his own company. He helps people find their true purpose and, and uh, passion in their own lives and helps them learn how to build their lives around those dreams and those passions. So listen in as Ira shares his painful story of losing one dream and talks about turning disappointment into another new discovery. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Ira. Davis. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm super excited to be sitting down here today with Ira Davis. Ira, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. Barb, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, this is going to be great. I love when I first uh, heard you really was on Clubhouse. You were in a group that we're both in, 365 Driven with Tony, and your energy just came right through. I, I'm going to say, I don't even remember specifically what you were saying. I just felt that energy come through the little phone and I pinged on your profile. I'm like, this guy's cool. And while you're talking through this, I'm digging into all this. I said, I got to get this guy on American Snippets. And, and here you are, manifested it. So thank you. Let's get into, we're going to start with where you are now and what yeah. you're doing, the work you're doing, and then we're going to go back. You have a story and there's something really unusual about your story that I particularly connected with. And you and I talked about that a little bit on our first meeting. But before we get into all that, let's talk about what you're doing today, the work you're doing today with Love Dream it. Divers. Yeah. Love it, Barb. Well, thank you so much for having me, American Snippet. Listen, if you're not following Barb on every platform, you are wrong uh, because this young lady is is... She's been put here to be a light, a sunshine in your life. So make sure you're connected on all platforms. But uh, what is Ira Davis doing now? I am the CEO and founder of the Dream Diver Company, which is a transformational media and coaching company where we work with purpose-driven pioneers, visionaries, and world changers uh, to help them really do four unique things, Barb. It, number one, we help them destroy fear and their comfort zones like 
if you're going to do something that's bigger than you, you have to understand that fear needs to be put in its place, right? We're not talking about being fearless. We're talking about fear less, allowing fear to have less control over your yeah. next move. Um, number two, we help them develop bold faith. Like what does it look like to pioneer something that has no blueprint, right? When other people, they don't, they, they've never seen it done. So of course they can't encourage you or equip you because generally you're the first, right? And then number three, we help people discover and live their purpose. The one thing that they will put on this earth to do to serve other people. Uh, and then we do all of that so we can help them unlock and die for their most audacious dreams to impact the world as a purpose-driven entrepreneur or leader. And so, um, you know, we do that in the form of speaking, uh, coaching, and live events. And, um, you know, run a couple of other companies that intersect with the Dream Diver Company where we make transformational documentaries as well uh, with my company, 412 Studios. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we do. Oh, and, and we dive out of planes together. We just so happen to take people up to 13,000 feet in real life and we dive out of planes together uh, as a commitment to the audacious dream and assignment for our lives to break some limiting beliefs off of their lives. And uh, so we do that in my one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. We do that in my live events. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's where we are today. That is so fun. And, you know, if I stretch my memory back to those good old days of high school, not really such good old days, but when you're 17 years old trying to figure life out, I remember seeing all these brochures in my guidance counselor's office for these colleges and careers. I don't think any of what you just said was in any of those brochures back then. You know? <laughs> no, ma'am. And never, ever, ever could I have imagined or foreseen or even understood. I'm sure there were people doing some version of what you're doing now back then, but it was unheard of. And now it's more common, but still you found this formula that I, I haven't come across anybody that really has all the ingredients that you have in your recipe to do things your own very specifically unique way. So it's going to be really fun to dig into your story and find out that path that led you here, that it, all those little things and the people along the way that impacted you and shaped you and molded you to do that. Let's go back and do that. And then we're going to pick apart all these four elements that you just dug into and and we're going to see exactly how it is you do that and tell our audience and our community how that connects with them. Okay. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. So you started off your professional path in the Marine Corps. What led you, what led you to that calling? Yeah, to the Marine Corps. Um, yeah. First of all, this is the American Snippet Podcast. So shout out to all my Marines, devil dogs out there, simplify. Um, what led me there was this. Um, I, I had no clue what I was good at, great at growing up. No clue. I was a middle child. I was clueless. I literally felt like when God was handing out purpose and dreams, Barb, that he skipped over me. Um, and so I thought I was going to be a basketball player. Well, got to high school. That didn't work out so well. Uh, I was talented, but I was behind the power curve of organized sports. Like I didn't start at four or six, like some of these kids. Um, and then I found Marine Corps ROTC in high school. Had a buddy of mine who was in it. He invited me to take it as an elective. And on day number two, as a freshman, it just, everything just clicked. Like I was, I was at home, like uniforms, discipline, leadership, inspiration. I was at home and I, I excelled for the next four years in high school. I excelled in Marine Corps ROTC and became the captain of the drill team. Um, and so what most uh, military personnel don't learn, do, or is able to teach until they become a service member I was literally doing it from 14 years old. 
So literally I had a four year head start on every other Marine. Um, what my drill instructors taught me at Marine Corps boot camp, I was teaching myself as a 14 year old to other people how to wear the uniform, how to drill, how to, I was teaching it. So when it came time for graduation, I said, you know what? I can't go to college. Like, first of all, I don't even like school. Second of all, if I go to college, I'm going to be wasting somebody else's money. Uh, right. So let me just be real and honest. You know, uh, I saw this video of, of Marine Corps boot camp and I saw what a drill instructor was. I said, Oh, I think that's me. Like, I think Bob, that's me. Uh, so I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school because I wanted to be a drill instructor not knowing that it would take me eight years of being a Marine to get to that one special duty assignment. But that's why I joined the Corps. I just knew that college, I would have went there and just did nothing, wasted somebody's money. Uh, and I wanted to go to a place where I could lead and inspire. Uh, so that's that's how I ended up in the Corps. Do you think sometimes you just mentioned that you you wanted to be the drill instructor, but you didn't understand it was going to be eight years to get there. Do you think if you had known oh, it's going to be eight years, you think that might've changed your mind going in? And do you think sometimes we're better off not knowing what's in front of us uh, uh, to give us that excuse? That is so um, funny. I, I don't know. Probably, I probably would have maybe not have, but you know, I didn't think it was going to be immediate. So I knew it was going to be a process, but um it happened how it happened for a reason. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Like looking back and thinking at all the things that I jumped into that, thank God I had no idea that I quote shouldn't be, or that it was going to be so much harder, you know, because that would have probably led me to, to reconsider some of the decisions yes. I made. <laughs> yes. Know? Not yes. that that's if, always a bad thing, but. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the unseen things is the, these are the exact things that you need to lead you where you're supposed to be. And if we knew every step of the journey, uh, most of us would be looking for detours and ways out. Um, you know, we'd be trying to hop over and skip over and jump over and leap over everything that would make us who we are today. Yeah, um, exactly. There's a lot of times I look back and I think, well, if I had known the hurt coming my way, I might have just chickened out of the whole ride and and never yeah. stepped into the sun for a minute. But that's yeah. another story for another day. <laughs> so you're so you're in the Marines and you're eight years till you become a drill instructor. What happened then in those last couple of years that yeah. changed everything? A tornado, a earthquake of everything. So, so I finally, you know, Barb, I, I get down to a parasol in South Carolina where we train Marines who are from the uh, East coast. Right. Uh, and I get down there and I am just like, it's like osmosis. I can see a, a seasoned drill instructor do something and I can turn around and do it. And I only been down there for a week or two. It was, it was nuts. Uh, and typically, you know, there, you know, you kind of have your hierarchy in drill instructors, like you're the new guy, I'm the seasoned guy, you got to kind of work your way up, you know, in any other organization. And so generally, you know, the new drill instructor doesn't get, you know, kind of like the praise and the rapport of the seasoned guys, you got to earn it. And I'm telling you, Barb, I could see a drill instructor do something, turn around and do it. And, and the seasoned guys would turn around and look at me like, yo, who is this dude? He only been here, like, who is this guy? And so I didn't, you know, I didn't get the, um, I didn't get the, you know, kind of like the, the not so good loving uh, and peer response from those who were more seasoned than me. I got, I got a lot of loving as a, as a new drone instructor because I, I just picked it up so quickly. As I mentioned, ROTC taught me most of it. Then I was a Marine for eight years already. Then I became a drone instructor. So it had just been in me for so long that now I, I finally had a chance to let it out. It was more like a release than a learning kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It was, it was more or less, I got to play pretend for, 
you know, eight plus four is what, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years before I actually became a drone strike. I was playing pretend. Right. Um, and so uh, about two years into that duty, Barb, um, I, I got kicked off of drone instructor duty. I got relieved of my duties for being a wild man. Um, a wild man in the Marines. So yeah. What wanna, is that? Yeah. That, what is that? That's pretty difficult to do <laughs> to get kicked off of drone instructor duty where you're supposed to be a wild man. So I was a wild man on top of a wild man. And here's what really happened is I was so adamant about helping these young people, these young men uh, achieve their dream of becoming the few and the proud. Uh, but as a drone sucker, you know, when you, when you believe in a recruit, you can't just say, Hey, recruit, I believe in you. Come on, step it up. No, you, sometimes you got to dial up the intensity in order to dial up the inspiration, right? Because of our job description is not to be your friend. Right. So if I believe in you, that means I have to put a little bit more heat on your backside. Right. Uh, to 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 stress you out a little bit more so that you become all that I know that's in you. And so I ended up going a little bit too, too, too overboard, got relieved of my duties, kicked off my duties. Um, uh, they took my campaign cover. They took my duty belt and they sat me down for good. And um, was it did you get like a talking to first or a warning like, hey, dude step it back a little or was it just out of nowhere you went no. too far one day and no it was it was, it was definitely gradual um every single cycle that i worked it was like bro come on there's there's a hundred percent and there's a thousand percent why are you at five thousand right um and i was so zealous right i had so much energy i loved what i did like if i didn't need to be there until 4 45 i was there at 2 30 a.m in the parking lot sleeping waiting for my shift. And, and, you know, my senior drill instructor would be like, bro, why are you here right now? I'm like, listen, I'd rather be here and sleep in the parking lot than at home sleep. And like, let's go. I'm here for all of this. I've been waiting my whole life to do this. Um, and it, wow. you know, it, so it was every cycle, you know, I got sat down. I think every cycle that I was in sat down means because you've done something crazy or stupid or whatever, they sit you down and give you a timeout. And so I had just started to become more mature as a drill instructor, understanding that sometimes it doesn't take you to be on 5,000 to get the job done. Right. And so this was my cycle where my first sergeant said, hey, listen, show me that you can train recruits without going overboard. And next cycle, we're going to promote you to the next level uh, in the drill instructor team. Like literally, I was in the process. One cycle away, yeah. I was one cycle away. and. Um, everything went sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we just can't help ourselves. So do you ever meet any of the recruits that you worked with back then? Do you ever come across them now? Yeah, I do. That's the funniest thing. Um, that is the funniest thing. The recruits will, these are grown men mm -hmm. with spouses and children now. And they have to me. remember you. Yeah. Oh yeah. They see me <laughs> in the mall. They'll see me at the gas station and it's almost like they start peeing on themselves and <laughs> Uh, seriously, I mean, anybody listening to this right now who was a Marine, you understand that you have a certain level of respect and fear, the fear of God of your drone instructor. It don't matter if you're 80 or 18, that that is forever the most powerful man that you've ever met in your life. And it's crazy because my wife still trips out. She's like, babe, these are grown men. Why are they terrified? Why are they hiding behind racks of clothes oh trying to verify if that's really you or not? And they come up to you trembling and they have they have kids with them and their wives and they're trembling. I'm like, you have no idea. 
that I would still do that if I saw my drone structures today yeah. uh, because of there's a when when you go through recruit training, your drone instructor becomes lightning and thunder um, for a lifetime. So it is the craziest thing. But I have these guys calling me and telling me about their promotions and about, you know, asking for advice and wisdom and, you know, still reaching out to me today, even and they see what I'm doing now. They're like, you know, they're like, you know, Sergeant Davis. You are always different. You are always special. Right. So it's a, it's a relationship, man, that I cherish so much, Barb. Yeah, that's awesome. We have a really good friend. His he's a Marine Corps drill instructor, and retired uh, drill instructor, drill instructor, retired now. Uh, Gulf Gulf War and Vietnam War, and wow. his name is Monsoon. His call name's Monsoon, and deservedly so. The man is he's extra, man. <laughs> he's extra, <laughs> and we love him. But he, you have to learn how to speak Monsoon. You know, he's still. <laughs> Well, I always translate for people. I'm like, you just have to, you learn how, you have to learn how to speak monsoon. Like that's yeah. just how, it, how that was, his, that was his love voice. That was, <laughs> that was, that was love I love voice. you. That was yeah. Love he's still rah, like everywhere you go. He, he's like my four kids mentor over the years. Uh, so I love that. And I love hearing stories uh, from other people who walk that similar path because it, it's always interesting. And it also helps me fill in a little of the gap about my crazy friend monsoon. So thank you for that. So <laughs> So now you're out of the military. You got sat down one cycle away. This is what you've been living for. This is what you've been building up for. You're working your whole life for. You are 100,000% convinced that this is your calling in your life. This is your path after not having one. That's a really, so, and you're married at the time? Married. You're married and you have kids. kids. And so you have a family depending on you. You have a wife who stood by you and supported you through your Marine Corps service, which is no small task to do as Amen. a military spouse to mm. love and support a spouse who is deployed in a way and comes home in that mindset, especially a drill instructor comes home to little kids. And whew, like that's, that's <laughs> a lot right there. Uh, so now you have to go home and say, Hey, honey, something happened at work today. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And, um, so I went home and told her, babe, I got to sit down. I think it's over. It's a, it's a, it's a wrap. Um, I don't think we are coming back from this one. It took me a couple of months to finally get, um, my, my non-judicial punishment, my NJP. First time I had ever been in trouble in my career was was as a drone instructor and literally my first sergeant and my um company commander told me hey listen we recommended that you get relieved for calls because we don't want to see you get yourself in more trouble and we believe you are great and um there's other ways that this greatness could be used other than potentially keeping you in this environment where you are so passionate um and and what we do down here can't keep up with what's coming out of you. Um, so we're recommending that you go back to the Fleet Marine Corps because we don't want to see your career completely get destroyed by some a more serious situation. So literally, I had um, three years left on my enlistment at that point. Right. And so I go back to the Fleet Marine Corps because of being a drone instructor is a special duty assignment. I go back to the Fleet Marine Corps. Uh, with my tail in between my legs, right? With this negative paperwork. And I knew that I was coming up for promotion in three years, Barb. So my promotion to E6 uh, and the end of my enlistment was, were literally almost simultaneously, simultaneous. 
So I go back to the Marine Corps and I knew that the war in Iraq was over supposedly and that Congress told the Marine Corps they had to get rid of Marines um, because we had to save money. The Congress had to save money. And so the 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 the, the tail of the tape is that um, if you had any negative paperwork in your record jacket, doesn't matter if it was from seven days ago or seven years ago, when it came time for you to get promoted, they were trimming the fat. You had to go. So I had three years to rebound my career. I came back to Fleet Marine Corps. I won every award you can think of, Marine of the Quarter, NCO of the Quarter, Marine Corps Martial Arts Instructor, Marine Corps Martial Arts Instructor uh, of the Quarter. I won everything you can think of. I, two Navy Achievement Medals. Matter of fact, I got a Navy Achievement uh, a NAMB before I even left drill instructor duty because they gave me a different assignment for six months. And I went over there and killed that um, right after I got relieved um, and still came time for promotion in 2014. And I got denied for promotion because Oof. of being relieved as a drill instructor. And that notice said, you have three months to pack your bags. Um, you will not get another chance for promotion. You will not be allowed to reenlist. That was June of 2014. My my uh, end of service date was August. Wow, that's even, I think, a little more rough than if it had just ended right back there as a drill instructor. You went through all that time doubling down and going hard. And all right, man, you are you're an intense dude. He's <laughs> I, just, I just I just pretend. Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I mean that in the best way. You have to be. You can see you lock on and that's it. There's no maybe I'll do this. There's this is the way through and that is the way through. And I don't want to hear about left or right. Like, that's it, you know. So yeah. how how is that then? Let's get into a little bit of the family life. You know, I am a yeah. military spouse and, I, and then I lost my husband, yeah. but I work with a lot of military the people in the military community, that is one of my strongest community. And I know not just from my own experience, but from so many others, how difficult it can be and the stresses and strains that are placed on military marriages, especially now you're going through all of these things at work and with small children in a high intensity job as you had as a drill instructor. And then all these other things, were you able to come home and walk into the house and say, hi, honey, I'm home. Hi kids. And get down and have kids messes and like, were you able to shift that mindset from disciplining Marine recruits and breaking that away before you discipline your children? How did, how did you approach all that? Yeah. So I, I, ne I never brought any of it home. The only thing I brought home was my nightmares um, uh, as a drill instructor. So as a, as a, as a drill, as a hat, that's what we call it. So as hats um, for me, I'm not a natural butthole. Like it's not, that's not natural for me. I'm an intense guy. I love what I do when I do what I do, but I'm not a natural butthole. And so as a hat, you have to become this demon um, literally 24 seven for three years. Luckily I only had, you know, a year and a half of it, but um, it, it gave me nightmares at night. You know, I'd be throwing pillows and like acting like I have recruits in front of me in my sleep. Um, and I literally, I used to have to sleep downstairs because uh, a couple of times I was just, you know, going crazy in the bed. Like there was recruits watching me sleep. Right. As a drone instructor, you know, you're supposed to be a machine. Right. And so, you know, I would freak out in my sleep as if the recruits could see me sleeping, um, which I didn't want them to see me sleeping. Right. I'm supposed to be a machine. So so went through that period. But other than that, I never brought it home, you know, and through this period when I found out I was when we only had three months left in the, in the Marine Corps. Um, uh, my wife was the most supportive person in my life. Um, still is. Um, 
she was the most supportive person when I got relieved of my duties as a drill instructor. Uh, I remember waiting to to get um, my NJP and my wife woke up one morning from a dream and she said, she said, um, babe, I just had a dream. And she said, you know, we're, we're a family of faith. She said, God showed me that one day we were going to be well off because you were going to do something extraordinary. Now, keep in mind, I was about to be relieved of my duties as a drone instructor. The one dream that I thought I had um, was crashing down around me. And my wife wakes up and says this to me. And I looked at her as if she had lost her mind, Barb. I was like, babe, do you realize I am the epitome of average? Like there's nothing in my life that has been great. Nothing. And the one thing that I was remotely good at has just crashed down right in front of me. I said, so I don't know what the Lord showed you when you were sleeping, but you might, he might have the wrong guy. Fast forward, Barb, to where we are today. It was my wife who woke up in the morning and spoke life to me. After I had already had a lifetime of feeling like I had purpose, like I was purpose lost, like I had no, like I had nothing to give. It was my wife who always saw in me what I could never see in myself. And I am the man that I am today because she poured into me. She held me up when I couldn't hold myself up. She held a mirror in front of me and reminded me of who I was. She reached down in me and spoke life to a place in me that I didn't even know existed. Uh, so, you know, shout out to the military spouses who sometimes you guys get married to a picture version of us because we're always gone. What am I saying? You you spend more time with the photo of us on your laptop or the photo of us over the fireplace than you do with us actually in the home. Uh, and it's not necessarily fair but you bear it and you grin it and you do it with love. And I'm going to tell you, most military spouses, Barb, most drill instructor spouses hated drill instructor duty. They hated it because their husband was always at work or their wife was always at work as a female drill instructor. My wife loved it. She had the kids on a schedule. She could cook on a schedule. <laughs> they would come up there and watch me wear recruits out in the sandpit, uh, bring me food. Like she loved it. So together we were both a weird couple on the island, <laughs> treated recruits. Cause I was super passionate and she loved every minute of it. Um, but it was my wife, Barb, who was my backbone from then until very now. Until when we went through all of our ups and downs and sacrifices and not having, not being able to do and getting forced out. She has always been the rock. Don't worry. I see that there's a dream on your life. There's a huge vision that God wants to birth through you. Don't worry. I'll keep the regular job. You don't quit because what you're stepped, what you've stepped into will supersede any sacrifice or investment that I have to make. My wife is the superhero. You should be interviewing her, not me. I would love to. I would actually love to. So I'll totally set that up. Um, so, wow. Think about, for anybody listening to, if you're sitting here thinking, man, I wish my spouse was like that. Why doesn't my spouse support me to a level of that? Why, if, it, if this sounds completely opposite of your experience in a relationship, I'm going to urge you to sit back and really assess that relationship and the power of it has on you and where you're going. I was in that relationship where I had somebody just ragging on me. I see you working all day and you're not making anything of it. What is this garbage you're working for? Why don't you go do this or that? that, that? And it wrecked me. And now I have somebody in my life who's just like your wife is to you. And that's what I try to be to him. And it 
has literally changed everything. And so the power, imagine if you had come home that day, Ira, and said, hey, honey, this happened at work. And she had said, you know what, Ira, you're just a loser. You better fix this. You got two days to figure this out or me and the kids are out. Like imagine Mm. how, how different that would, that would have gone for you. So I don't know. That's a testament right there to commitment and partnership. And you guys could teach a whole other course and workshop on strengthening marriages and Mm. loving through loss and adversity and all of that. That's an important, important, uh, skill and mindset you have. And it's, and it's a gift. It's a blessing that you, you just, you need to protect that and preserve that doesn't really come along to those who don't really strive for it, I think. So let me see. I'm going to pause here for a sec. It said you said you were muted. It's gone. Okay. So moving on from that, I want to, before we get into where you are today, I do want to talk about the, another extraordinary aspect of what you did, because after the Marines said bye-bye and what kind of discharge did you get by the way oh i got an honorable you yeah, got an yeah. honorable discharge okay yeah, yeah. just so checking just, like how yeah, bad no, was this no 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 I, <laughs> like, I just what did they do to you yeah okay. i just couldn't get promoted and okay. so i had to ride out until my um my contract was up which okay. was literally three months after i found out that i couldn't get promoted okay so it was just it was just normal i just exited the court okay. like normal so you you were still eligible for all veteran oh, stuff yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you had that the good record. Okay. Well, that's good. That's a plus, right? That you got out like that. Mm-hmm. But then they also said, Hey, Ira, we don't really want what you're doing anymore. And we're not going to promote you or reward any of your hard work, but would you mind helping us out a little after? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a lot of people would have given them, you know, the one fingered salute and told them to, you know, have a nice life or bless your hearts or whatever it is you want to say. Right. But what did you say to them when they came to you and said, Hey, Ira, do you mind helping us out a bit? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, that's funny. So <laughs> right in that three month time period where I found out I, w- I couldn't get promoted and my enlistment was up in three months, uh, depression kicked in. Like I'm a grown man, with a wife and two kids. I don't know what I was born to do. I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I will do to take care of my family. Uh, and so in the midst of depression, my battalion commander and battalion sergeant major came to me and said, Hey, listen, Headquarters Marine Corps denied you uh, promotion and the opportunity to re-enlist to get another look at promotion. They don't know the man. They just know your record jacket. But we know the man. We serve with you. You you are the head of our NCO council. Um, you, you're the greatest Marine NCO that we have had the privilege of leading in our 30 years plus of service as senior level leadership. Can you do us a favor? Can you put together a corporal's course from scratch to train the first level of Marine Corps leaders on how to be great leaders. So Barb, on one hand, I'm getting the boot. On the <laughs> other hand, they're trying to give me a Heisman trophy. And in there I am in the middle, right? Um, keep in mind that three months, I got to pack my bags. I got to pack my family. I got to figure out where we're going, right? And now on top of that, I am now the NCOIC, the, the non-commissioned officer in charge of a two and a half month um, <laughs> corporal's course um, that requires several hours of logistics training, et cetera. Not only do I have to train the corporals, I have to train the my peers who are the instructors, right? And so the reason why I did it is because leading, inspiring is in my DNA. I would rather do nothing else than to lead into inspire. Like I literally sucked at my MOS in the Marine Corps. I sucked. So I always, <laughs> I always like, can I be honest? I always, yeah, please. but I always found 
places and jobs where I could lead and inspire. So I would always finesse my way into leadership roles where I can use my gift to be an asset, to add value to other Marines. Um, and so uh, my battalion commander, Sergeant Major, knew that. They knew like this was a perfect role for me. Uh, and so went in there and knocked it out. And that's really where the next level of my story really began was in preparing to, to lead and guide and mentor these young corporals. Wow. So you did that. And what an example to set to for everybody else. Like they did they know your story? Did they know what was happening? Like, hey, oh, yeah. Ira's sort of getting the boot, but yep. now he's gonna train us. And so I mean, what what an example to set because how many people's first instinct would be that one fingered salute and off you go, but you just showed them a whole different way to respond and think and, and approach things. That's freaking sort of badass there in itself, Ira. I think like just having well, that. It, there was a mantra, I believe, that I gave the Marines, uh, I believe, I'm trying to remember what it was, because a lot of corporals who had to go through this course, some of them weren't going to reenlist. They were on their first enlistment, and a lot of them had, they had their exit date in mind while they were going through this course. Like, I got a year, I got six months, I'm just here because I have to be. And one of the things that I try to get the Marines to understand is no matter when you walk out the door, you have a responsibility to train your replacement, period because somebody handed you a fiery torch. How dare you hand off a torch that has not been lit or ignited in a greater way that it was handed to you. I said, so whenever you leave, whenever you leave, you pass off a torch that was better than the way you found it. I said, listen, I'm out of here in three and a half months, but I'm, I'm going out and I'm everything I touch will be on fire by the time I leave here. Why? Because this thing has to keep going beyond you. There are lives at stake. There are families at stake. There are missions at stake. I say, you don't you don't get to drop your pack. You don't get to uh, talk about your exit strategy. While you're here, you will be great. That is the job. That is the hallmark of a Marine, right? Until your very last day, you will be great. Wow. I, I don't think I've ever wanted to have that bomb dropping sound effect more than I have <laughs> right now. This where's, Tony, where's Tony when you need him? I, right? Yes, yeah, seriously. I mean, because what you said there, Take everything you just said there and apply it to life. And that's the template right there, I think, to live a great life up to your potential. Is that part of what you carry into what you're doing now? I think I just got like a little sample of what it would be yeah. like to hire Ira as my my dream diving coach. This was the greatest accident that ever happened to me. And I'm more on fire now than I've ever been. Like literally, bar five minutes after it happened, after I stopped hollering and screaming, I literally started making jokes, and 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 I started. Put, my business partner just happened to be there. They brought him up in a golf cart, and I was like, "Are you filming? I hope you're filming. I hope you're filming this." I said, "The very first keynote is going to be relentless. The very first keynote is going to be no risk, no reward." I said, "Pull the camera. They put me in the ambulance. Pull the camera up. I want to talk to the people. I want to talk to the people because this is a defining moment." This is a defining moment. Whenever you have a dream that's bigger than you, you better believe that there are going to be some bumps, some bruises, some abrasions, some things that happen along the way that set the blueprint for what's about to come. We talked about it earlier. What if I would have known, Barb, that I was going to crash land on Saturday and destroy my ankle? Would I have done something different? 
right? We talked about not knowing those steps that lead up to who we are today. I probably would have been like, I didn't wake up that morning thinking, hey, bro, you're going to be in the hospital uh, at 11 a.m. You're going to be in the hospital. I didn't wake up thinking that. What I woke up thinking is I've been called to do something drastically audacious that looks different than most people would ever do and touch. I feel more alive now than ever. Let's go do what we were called and created to do. Boom, crash. My foot is hanging off. I'm screaming and I'm hollering. Five minutes later, I'm thinking, what was better than waking up this morning and being average, laying in my bed, being normal. Now I have a, a greater story to tell. Now I don't just get to show people the results or the ending. I get to share with them the journey of doing something that's bigger than you. That's going to require you to get out of your comfort zones. That's going to require you to have a little cry some tears. That's going to require you to, to piece yourself back together. But now I get to do what I do at a greater level. We talk about destroying fear and comfort zones. What, what greater story can I give you than me busting up my whole leg and coming back from it? Right. And so I don't even know what the question was, Barb. I don't know why you still let me talk, but. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you're on a roll and you're saying things and it doesn't matter. You know, I could start off with a template and things I want to get to, but sometimes there's a different path that, that the interview is supposed to take. And when it's going down that path, who am I to say, no, I have a, I have a template. I want to get to, you know, that's, yeah. that's garbage. I think I love this stuff. I love the real stuff. So thank you for doing that to me or for me, but let's get into this. Like you said about, about what you're doing and mm -hmm. how you started dream dream diver and, and why, and, and those four tenants that if, so if I call you up today and I say, yeah. Ira, Holy crap. I mean, I lost everything because of COVID. I have no purpose. My husband left me. My kids are growing and gone. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I got no talents. I got no skills. I got no purpose, no passion. I, I help me out. Yeah. So that's a two-part question. So I'll start off with how we get to Dream Diver, right? Um, I was putting together the Corpus course, right? Three months, mm -hmm. getting kicked out. I got to put together this course. I'm up at 2 a.m. in the morning on YouTube in my house everybody sleep is pitch black and yeah anybody ever been up at 2 a.m on youtube no i'm don't, sure nobody has don't don't, <laughs> yeah. don't tell on yourself don't tell on yourself you were asleep yeah. uh 2 a.m i'm up in the morning yeah. and um the very first corpus course class is that day and i was looking for some videos to inspire the young marines in the course that day to be able to play on on a powerpoint and i type it in motivation never done it before had no clue what motivational videos were, self-help. I didn't even know that industry existed. And typed it in. Eric Thomas comes up first. I'm like, what is this? Les Brown. I'm like, this is incredible. John Maxwell, what is this? And then Barb, the next video that comes on is this skydiving video. And I'm like, what kind of algorithm is this? I was like, okay, but but you know what, YouTube, I'll play your game, right? I'll, I'll play your game. <laughs> so, so Barb, I, I sit there and I watch this YouTube video of these guys skydiving. And I start getting short of breath like I'm in the air with these guys. And I and I pull back from my desk. You know, I'm having this divine encounter. And, and I pray and I say, Lord, what are you saying to me? He's saying, Ira, you see skydiving, but I want you to call it dream diving. I'm like, what? What What are you talking about? He's like, listen, um, most people will never hit a target because they can't see it. They can't see they They can't see the target that's in front of them and they don't have one. And I'm like, what are you saying? He's like, listen. Um, you, you know, you have the people who are trying to achieve a dream or a mission for their lives and they're trying to climb the mountain of success. He said, but you can't see the vision that's on top when you climb the mountain. He said, and when you get tired and when you get frustrated, you can quit or sit down. He said, then you have the jumpers who 
know they've been called to do something great, who they they'll take their calling and they just run out and just jump off the cliffs and expect me to catch them on the way down. And they just, you know, they're so excited that they just run and do anything. He said, no, that's purpose and dream suicide. Right. He said, then you have the leapers who will take a leap of faith. Like, listen, I'll leap in if this works. I'll stay. If not, I'll leap back to my comfort zone. He said, but then but then you have dream divers. Those people who are willing to do the most audacious things that they've never seen modeled in front of them. They know they have a calling. And from that calling, they they get prepared. They go through preparation and then they dive headfirst into a dream that's bigger than themselves. They get their feet off of the ground. They go to 13000 feet and they burn the boats. They get into the realm of the impossible that takes the impossible, right? The divine God to step into their situation to help them birth what they couldn't do on their own. He said, those are the people that I'm calling you to, the audacious dreamers who have a dream that's bigger than anything they've ever seen. Um, they're a pioneer, they're a visionary, they're a world changer. And so, Barb, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, this is what? Are you serious? I spent my whole life miserable, lost. And this is my assignment. God, this is amazing. Then he said, Barb, he said, but by the way, you got to go skydiving and become a skydiver. And I was like, time out, time out, not happening. I'm terrified of heights, terrified. Like I wouldn't even dive off of my desk. But he said, listen, I want you to become a skydiver because there's too many people teaching analogies that they don't live and you won't be that guy. He said, not only will you teach dream diving, but you'll become one, both physically, metaphorically, tangibly, so people can see what it looks like to do things that would scare the, the brains out of most people, but that will create results that most people couldn't even fathom of getting for other people. And so fast forward, we took that concept, Barb. We, we first adapted it, and adopted it into my film studio. And then we turned about two years ago, we turned it into the Dream Diver Company. And that is a hallmark of who we who we are today, right? When you think of Ira Davis and the Dream Diver Company, you you think of a of of a skydiver and going all in and burning the boats. Yeah, no doubt, man. So now let's let's walk forward to this person contacting you yeah. and saying, "All right, everything fell off from under me. This is where I am in life. I got no money. I got no family. They're all gone. I, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I got no skills." Yeah. That's that's exactly what happened to me, Barb. Yeah. Right. So when I was getting forced out, I had that three months. I went to go see a therapist. A therapist was my first ever coach. I went to go see a therapist and I cried my eyes out. I said, sir, ma'am. I said, sir, I need you to help me. I'm a grown man with a wife and two kids. Um, I don't know what I was born to do. I don't know what I can do. But for my whole life, I felt like there was greatness stuck in my in my bones, but I could never get it out. When I look at what I've been able to produce with my hands, it's average below average. Can you help me? And we talked, Barb, and he came back to me at the end of the week and he said, listen, Sergeant Davis, it's my personal professional opinion that you were put on this earth to inspire people to go after their dreams, like to inspire them down to their bones. He's like, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I encourage you to go on a journey uh, to discover what that is, whether it's writing a book or speaking. I encourage you to go on that journey. So Barb, I left his office that day, went in the car, cried, and I prayed. I said, Lord, the epiphany light bulbs just started going off. And man, it was in that moment, Barb, where God just began to reveal to me who I was. He was like, you're a transformational leader. You're a pioneer. You're a visionary. You're creative. And I'm like, man, all these things that I am, I never knew that's who I was. And so here's what I want to say to the people out there right now who are like, I'm a nobody. I have nothing to offer, right? I have nothing to give. I have nothing inside of me that lights me up. Number one, you have to recognize who you are. Before you can do anything world changing, you must first, you must first recognize who you are. Like 
when you look in the mirror, you have to start to see really who you are, right? All the things that I do now, Barb, I was doing for years, but I didn't realize it was a tangible and intangible skill set and commodity that could change and serve other people's lives. Like generally the area that you've been called to serve in, those skills, talents, and capabilities are rooted in the things that you already do for people and you don't even recognize it. But people always come to you for these things. Like whenever you find yourself at the coffee shop with your friends, like this is your topic of discussion. Whenever you find yourself in group of people, this is your area of discussion. Whenever you show up uh, to serve, like you gravitate towards this kind of service. Like typically you're already doing it. So right now I lead, inspire, mentor, and coach. Guess what I was doing my whole Marine Corps career? Guess what I was doing in high school in, in ROTC? I've been doing the same thing for, for years, but I didn't know it was a tangible skill set that I could use to provide for myself, that I can use to change and serve other people's lives. So most of the time, the thing you were, the skills and talents and capabilities that you don't know that you have and that are worthy of building a life on, you're already doing them. You just are discounting them because nobody's shown you that you can actually live off of those intangibles that are already permeating through who you are, right? So the first step is really discovering, number one, who you are. Number two is recognizing that, that within you, there is a cause that's, that has always been rising up in you. There's a cause that, that either A, excites you to no end, or B, breaks your heart. It's something that you've either A, been through yourself and overcome, or, or B, You've experienced the great part of that. And when you see other people who didn't have or don't have that, it breaks your heart because you know how much that meant to you to have. And you want to be able to give that to other people. That's the area of your cause. So there's a formula, Barb, that I teach. It's called the, um, the Dream Diver Purpose Formula, right? It's purpose equals your capabilities plus your cause plus your solutions, right? What talents and skill sets do you have? that you, you are just, you are great at, you love to do, you would do them for free, even if nobody paid you to do them, right? And then you'll cause the areas in your life that you would serve in, even if nobody paid you, you would still show up and serve those people for that reason, because you've been through that exact thing and it either broke you or it excites you. And then your solution is how do I take my capabilities plus the cause area that I'm really, really connected to because I've been through this myself and I've overcome and how can I package those things together to serve people in a way that adds value to them and that also allows me to be able to live a life from, right? Capabilities plus calls plus solutions equals your purpose. And so if you don't know, if you don't know who you are today or where you're headed or what's inside of you, the first thing you need to do is get into a place where you begin to recognize that you do have value, that there is something extraordinary for you to do that you were born to do something great. Doesn't mean you may, you may not be the entrepreneurial. You may be the entrepreneurial. What is an entrepreneur? Someone who grabs a hold of somebody else's dream and vision and says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to build this thing from the inside out. I'm going to create vision from within the vision and expand the entire mission and dream of this organization uh, because I'm a builder. I'm a, I'm a dream expander, right? And so everybody's not called to be the risk taker and the visionary, 
Some people are called to take the blueprint and say, okay, now let's build. Matter of fact, Barb, you wanted to put the wall here, but in my head, I think the wall would look better like this, right? And so you have to recognize who you are in the equation, right? And so Barb, hopefully that adds some value to somebody out there who's sitting out there today and saying, man, I feel like I have nothing to give, nothing to offer. I was you. Yeah. I was, yeah, that's, I that is gold there. Is that the stuff to talk about? I definitely want to get to this before we run out of time. You're starting or you're doing Miracle Mondays. Is that kind of what you talk about on your Miracle Mondays and where can people dial into that? Yeah, I love it. So Miracle Mondays is this free power coaching call, group coaching call I do on Zoom every single Monday morning, 6.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 9.30 a.m. on the East Coast. And if you're around the world, you know, you do the math, but it's a 45 minute, powerful, explosive call that I do every week on Zoom, where I give a 30 minute fresh keynote every single Monday morning. And then we do live Q&A for like 15 to 20 minutes, where you just get to come on, you ask your questions about your purpose, your dreams, your fears, your limiting beliefs, and the things that are holding you back from accomplishing whatever it is that you know your dream and your purpose is every single week, free 99 Barb. And this is just my opportunity to look great people on the face and say, I believe in you. Right. And so I, I coach you every single Monday because I want to see you go out for the next six days of the week and be a miracle for somebody in the area of your purpose and in your dreams. That's awesome. Where can people go to find out about all of that? Find out about the work you do in a dream diver, connect with you, hire you, refer you, learn from you, yeah. grow from you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can just go to my website. It's www.dreamdiver.co. Dot co and everything is there. Miracle Mondays is there. You can sign up for that there. And your live um, events, all the information on the live events you have coming live, up. Yep, live event information is there. My Dream Diver Apprenticeship one-on-one coaching is there. Uh, speaking requests is there. Um, but more importantly, guys, just connect, connect. Connect with me on the website, of course, but connect with me on on Instagram. Um, every DM I get, I respond to um, with either. I can video, vouch for that. Yeah, either a video, <laughs> a personal yeah. message. Um, you are not a commodity to me. You are flesh and blood, soul, spirit, somebody who I believe in. And so just drop me a love note uh, at the chief dream diver on uh, Instagram. And I uh, can't wait to connect with you. Excellent. And we'll put those links in the write-up we do uh, along with this interview when we drop it as well. And the last question I got to get to you before we let you get back to your day, Ira, and hopefully no more injuries for you today. Uh, but <laughs> last question I have to ask you, and I'll set it up with explaining why we started American Snippets a few years ago is when we first noticed the divisiveness in the pool and the unrest and un unhappiness and frustration really building in this country. As someone for me, you know, we bore the brunt of, of this, as did you. And it really impacted me personally to see people giving up on our country and turning on one another and insisting for instance, among many things that the American dream is dead and only available to some people and, and all that. And I knew for a fact that it is alive and well. I knew for a fact that Americans are by and large much better than what we are being led to believe we are. And that even underneath the things we disagree on, we agree on and connect and have so much more in common and really have bigger hearts like you do. Uh, probably you and I disagree on a lot of things, but I have the utmost respect for you. And I love everything about your story. And I love learning from you and growing from you and connecting with you. That's what we wanted to promote on American Snippets. But by and large, again, the American dream, we know that is still available even today in this imperfect country, but we know it's different for everybody. Your dream is not my dream. My dream is not your dream. And that for us is where the beauty is found is that we all have our own version of that. So to that point, and you've already answered this to some extent, 
or in a large extent, but I'm going to ask you again, what is your version of that American dream? What is my version of that American yeah. dream? What So essentially what is my dream or yeah. is that the, is that the question? Yep. Yeah. I love it. So my dream is, is three parts, right? I want to create a multi-billion dollar transformational documentary production company. Uh, the only one in the world that specializes in making films, transformational films for big dreamers and world changers. Number two, I want to create uh, 3 million dream divers globally, uh, people who are living on purpose and diving for their most audacious dreams unapologetically. And number three is we're creating a documentary network called Dream Diver TV for aspiring world changers and big dreamers. So they have a place, uh, a link up, a meetup spot to watch films that will inspire them to get up, stand up, to serve miracles, to shape humanity and to shift culture with everything that they touch. So that's the uh, Ira Davis uh, American dream. That's awesome. And please let us know when that does drop because we'll happily share that and promote it. That's right up our alley, man. So Ira, again, thank you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your service. I say that with utmost sincerity and thank you for continuing to give back and be a lesson. I mean, a leader and your expertise and the example you set for all of us. I love this could have kept you for hours as well, <laughs> but uh, we'll definitely continue to stay involved with what you're doing and share and support it and get it out. And if anybody has questions again about where to Get in touch with Ira. If you missed that, make sure you pay attention to the article underneath this interview because we're going to pop all those links in. Ira, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I love it, Barb. Thank you to, to all the American snippets out here, man. Make sure you listen to every episode. <laughs> grab everything but Barb is doing. She's here to be a blessing to your life. So thanks, Barb, for having me. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Man, Ira Davis just hit a home run. I absolutely love uh, his story and his insight and wisdom and leadership. If you want to learn more about Ira, make sure you go to americansnippets.com forward slash newsletter. Check out the show notes and the full write-up uh, on this podcast episode. We'll throw some links in there that you can use to follow Ira Davis on social, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, as well as visit his website. And you, know, you can do your own dream dive as well, which I highly, highly recommend. While you're there, make sure you check out uh, Monday Rewind, as well as our uh, Op-Ed Friday show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you got any value out of this episode with Ira Davis, uh, share this podcast with a friend, let people know what we're doing here. Make sure you follow us as well on social uh, at American Snippets on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And don't forget, we have our great American Syndicate. This is our community of freedom-loving, patriotic Americans who stand for America's core values, the American dream. And we would love to invite you inside of this uh, growing social network community, the Great American Syndicate. Go to greatamericansyndicate.com to learn more. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are. Yeah.